never allowed that crap to happen had it not been for a damn pandemic because we've never voted this way in this country and furthermore in my opinion unless my information is wrong and if it is y'all can correct me the judicial system let us down evidence and evidence and evidence were presented to judges and they decided we're not going to have a part of this and we're not going to touch this with a 10-foot pole so they could have done something and what did they do they laid down and they let it go through Hello and welcome to The Joe Mobley Show. I'm your host, Joe Mobley, and you're listening to the only place in cyberspace where we talk about being conservative. We hit on current events, the politically correct cancel culture, and problems with civil discourse. But most importantly, we discuss what you can do to come out of the conservative closet. The Joe Mobley Show is a new and exciting podcast that airs weekly on Monday mornings. We have a range of controversial topics on deck, Even so, it's important that we hear from you what matters most. Be sure to send questions, comments, and things you'd like to hear discussed to ask at thejoemobleyshow.com. That's ask at thejoemobleyshow.com. To make sure you stay informed on the latest content, be sure to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to great podcasts. Welcome back to The Joe Mobley Show. Very glad you decided to stop in. Today we have an incredible guest. She is a single mom, a surviving military spouse, and author of several books, someone who has an amazing story to tell. She is none other than Michaela S. Cox. Michaela, how are you? I'm good, and thank you for having me. Glad to be here. Of course, it's my pleasure. Awesome. So we've got a lot of cool uh, topics to talk about, but I think probably the most interesting thing is um, just you and some of your story. So, you know, tell us about yourself. Tell us about, you know, how you got through the journey that you've been on. Well, like you said, I'm a published author. I've got seven books out right now. I'm currently working on the eighth. Um, I like to call my journey um, 38 Triple D. No, it has nothing to do with my physical appearance or features, except maybe when pregnant, the two times when I was pregnant with my children. But um, it's more of a way of summing up what I've been through. And I also call it a journey of learning how to th- to go from much tribulation to thriving in all things, no matter what life throws at me, to include lifelong disability of legal blindness um, divorced at 26. And then, um, at 38, I lost, as you said, my husband who served in the military and threw me into solo motherhood. So that's kind of the three D's and I was 38 at the time. So all three by the age of 38, since 38 triple D. So. Yeah, that's, that's incredible. Um, but you know, you, you didn't let life keep you down. You, you seem to be killing it. You know, I, I had to do the obligatory internet stalking. You are a busy person. Um, you just had a book come out and you're, you're writing another one. Yeah, that's the way I roll. I'm never just doing one thing. Always busy. Always got something going on in the fire. So. Awesome. Well, speaking of books, I am going to take this time to uh, plug your books, plug your website. So Michaela is out there on the web, you guys. Uh, Her website is myheartfeltmeditations.com. And her latest book, which came out about a month ago, if I'm not mistaken, is We the People Are. 
defining and exploring who we the people are as a people, a society, and a nation. Um, I did not get to get my hands on this book before the interview, uh, but I have read your reviews and the write-ups, and it seems super interesting. Uh, Can you tell us a little bit about the book, why you wrote this book now? Yeah, I can. And it actually, not even been a month. It came out, I guess this Tuesday makes two weeks. Yeah, two weeks on Tuesday. On the 16th, I released it. I wanted it out by the election, but my preferred... perfectionist planner feathers were ruffled because it didn't happen, but oh well, it's always relevant. Um, I've always been interested in American politics and not so much, I mean, personally, because I, I actually like it, oddly enough. I like all of it or parts of it, but my purpose in doing it and the reason why I'm passionate about it is my intent is more of not necessarily partisan politics or the crap that goes on in D.C., better, worse, like it, don't like it, whatever. Because I have a passion for our country and the way our country's supposed to be, I feel like as Americans, as individuals who combine collective makeup, we the people together, all need to be informed and knowledgeable and come from a standpoint of understanding who we're supposed to be and what we're supposed to be and where we got started because you know, it's March Madness, right? And I, I watch it. Like, I'm probably going to have to be recording tomorrow. And hope I, I don't think I'm missing any games tonight. I've gotten mixed up in the schedule this year. But anyway, if you're on a basketball court or a football field or a baseball diamond or a soccer field or hockey ice, whatever, you're not going to play that game well or be allowed to play if you don't know how to play by the rules. Every sports person, every competitor understands that. The analogy applies to America, too. We have a rule book. It's called the Constitution. And those are the rules that were set up by how we're supposed to run our country. Now, like them, don't like them, agree with them, don't agree with them, whatever. But you must have an appreciation and a respect for them. Now, if you want to change them, go change them properly and make the new rule. But the fact of the matter is all Americans, all individuals of we the people, and collectively we should understand what it is, how it works, and what it means. And more importantly, the whole reason that phrase of we the people is one of the most fundamental, paramount, powerful expressions in all of our history because it is, in fact, that three words that makes America what it is, large part. It is government of the people, by the people, and for the people, which is why not only was it important those three words be in the Constitution, but it be in the preamble, and it be the very first three words of the Constitution. So that is the whole deal of America summed up in those three real words, excuse me, of we the people. And I feel like all Americans need to understand that and be educated and informed, and that's why I did it. Awesome. I couldn't agree more. Uh, it's just like a letter, just like an email. We start it with, with us. I, I am writing to tell you mm-hmm. blah. And, and I mean, you know, it's no secret. I got, let's see, there's a constitution there and this is out of frame, yeah. but if I move, yeah, I got constitution there and this is the declaration. Nice. That's my, uh, my meeting, uh, artwork i guess um but these documents are so important nothing like this nothing like this form of government of of 
by and for the people had ever been done. Exactly. And, you know, you, you say in your book that you don't think people understand the significance of that um, and understand what role we play as a piece of we the people. And I just don't understand. I think it's cool. I, you know, obviously I felt a civic duty. I served in the military, but there's so much that goes into being an American. Um, And oftentimes, I hate to say this, but oftentimes immigrants get it more because they study for the the naturalization exam and they know the constitution and they learn about things. And I'm just like, where did did the people that were born here, where did we get off the beaten path? You want my opinion? I'm like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Quite honestly, I, I'll i talk politics all day. I'll talk from a personal opinion perspective. I'll talk on points of actual academia and, and, and factual and whatever. But, <coughs> excuse me, if you track back through our history, and this is I do this in one of the chapters, although not necessarily specifically this political party. When, and even though when it started, it doesn't mean what it means today. But if you track it back to the progressive movement and what one person considers progressive is not going to be to the next and vice versa. But when the actual progressive movement started in, shoot, when did it exactly start? I don't know. It's somewhere in the probably anywhere between 1870 and 1890, around the time of McKinley and TR, Teddy Roosevelt. And maybe a little bit before. It had a lot to do with the, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, a historian can check my facts. It also kind of went with the whole industrial uh, revolution as well. That started it, and it was maybe good and earnest at that point, But as that movement has continued through the history since its beginning and in our history, it has, as it was the word meant progressive, it has slowly and surely become more progressive towards the left and not so centered and probably away from what most Americans would want or think or would want ideally, idealistically speaking. And while I personally prefer to be more conservative and will always be above and foremost, first, a constitutionalist, no matter what letter may be or may not be behind my name, I go to that first. But even in the day of uh, FDR and what would be considered the more Democrats that were Roosevelt time or in the South, Dixie, uh, Dixiecrats, as they're called, who were FDR Democrats, they've even become more progressive that we have currently in office than what they were and some people feel, rightfully so in my opinion, but each to their own, what we have now as far as a, the Democratic Party is more progressivism than actual liberalism. And some versions <clears throat> excuse me, of progressivism is bordering on potentially socialism and some people are saying communism. So you're taking what should have been what it was originally to now mean something totally different than what most people thought it was once upon a time. Now, let's take that another level. That, to me, is how we've gotten off the track. But let's take that to another level. Actually, (laughs) political parties aren't even supposed to be in this country. You can make an argument that they're unconstitutional. Not that they're not allowed, but you will not find that expression or those words in the Constitution. You will not once 
see the words political party in the Constitution. The forefathers, and specifically George Jefferson, uh, excuse me, George Washington, spoke out against them and did not want them. So the fact that our politics, although I understand why, has for the more longer of our history than not come to dominate our political way of governing is not what the forefathers had envisioned or wanted. It was never supposed to go that way. That's it's true. There's a reason that they call them the ties that bind us. Political exactly. affiliation doesn't free our expression. It doesn't free our minds. It tethers us. It chains us down to something. And I see this when I'm a conservative, uh, but when there's a conservative, a, a political ideological point that's conservative <laughs> that I disagree with, if I went and said that out loud, then Republicans would you know, try and chop my head off. And it's like, whoa, 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 right. calm down. It's, uh, but yeah, I completely agree. It's not in any of the founding documents except for writings that warn against those exactly. types of things because surprise folks, it leads to division. Yes. Imagine Light that. Bulb. A shocker there. Yeah. Not but so I mean, I'll let you, you were on, um, progressive. I know why we have them. It's as much as they divide, they also bring people together. And so it was a matter of time when we do have so many different individuals in our country, you're going to come together over your commonalities of thought and ideals and philosophy and whatever. That's why they formed. <coughs> and unfortunately, excuse me, they help get things done when they're working the way they're supposed to. But there's probably much room for debate that actually, if they're actually doing anything in this country today, but the other thing about them that is interesting is they have evolved over the centuries of our almost 250 years and um, have definitely become very predominant in our politics when they should have never had. And I, I was thinking about something else and it left me. I'll come back to it. But anyway, yeah, so that's probably how we've come so far from where we began. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. Um, and there are so many the history of this country is really rich and there are so many um, theories and so many books um, written about, you know, how we got here. One of my earlier interviews, I interviewed um, Dr. Steve Bucci with the Heritage uh, Foundation mm -hmm. yes. and, and he, he kind of dove into some of that really great guy. I should reach out to him again soon. So Steve, if you're listening to this, then thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, that kind of brings me to my next thought. I was looking in your write-ups and your um, your latest book talks about the profound uniqueness of the United States. We've made political contributions that are wholly new to the world. We've made ideological, philosophical, industrial, economic contributions. The United States has contributed to the world more than all of the rest of history uh, combined and, and I'm an evangelical Christian, so of course, I'll, I'll hold that Jesus's time, uh, Jesus contributed more <laughs> to history yeah, in the United States. But that's but, a um, given, but within the scope of this conversation and in the, the realm of politics and history. And the other thing about that is, I totally agree with you, we've done it in a shorter amount of time than the rest of the country is dead. I mean, I think speed. if I've done my math yeah. right, it's we're only six years away, five years away now five years away from being 250 years old as a nation. Whereas mm -hmm. all any other, just about any other country you could mention has been around four, five, six 
almost 10, 20, whatever. I'm, I'm horrible at math. That's why I stick to the liberal arts like history and politics. But, <laughs> you know, whatever multiple times out over this, this, the centuries and the millenniums. Oh, yeah. And yeah. these other, these empires and dynasties had hundreds of years. Um, in some instances, yeah. you know, up to a thousand. And yep. yeah, you nailed it. But young people today, I consider myself young, you know, early 30s, but younger people, they miss the boat. They don't get it. They don't think that this country is great. Um, and, you know, For people. For a couple of reasons. Yeah, well, I, that was going to be my question. Why do modern Americans hate America? Like, they don't think that the country is great, unique, contributes anything, which is nonsense because so many people come to move here. We take in 60 million immigrants a year. You know. Oh, okay. Immigrants or legal or are we talking about legal immigrants or do you want to go down that rabbit hole? <laughs> So I I hear it's a mix, <laughs> but yeah, exactly. we know we know that we take yeah. more immigrants than the rest of the world almost combined. Um, it's it's incredible, but the reason for that is because the country is great. Um, so back yeah. to the question, and you, you nailed the question before you even asked it. But why why don't modern Americans believe in America? I think it's three things at least three things that come to my mind right off the top of my head. One is education and what we're teaching our children. And you have this whole idea of counter counter culture or whatever they're calling it right now, this political correct, I'm trying to behave, load of crap. <laughs> and then not only that, they're wanting to rewrite history and water it down and change it and teach them a load of garbage that has nothing to do with anything this is why i can't watch fox news right now because my feathers get too ruffled all the time but <laughs> um so it's the education and then second of all they listen to i mean i know we're all biased i don't want to say that because there's arguments that fox is becoming more biased and more further away than when it originally started but and it's hard not to be biased because we're in fact human natures and that's just part of our nature but they listen to one-sided information or knowledge that fills their head with garbage that has nothing to do with anything that nine times out of 10 probably isn't accurately backed up. And so they just believe it and take it in lock box barrel and stock and think it's gospel without God forbid you think for yourself and go research it and fact check it. And then when they do listen to this stuff that they don't find out for themselves and dare question or ask or research, and use a brain that they were given, they just assume that is what it is. So then they take this on as their own belief and doctrine and it changes and affects their perspective that they now have, like you're saying about, we're such a horrible nation, which we're not, but they wouldn't know that by what they take in and what they choose not to go study and what they were taught, which is why it has been said many times over throughout history. If you want to change a society and the children, through education. Yeah. It's, and it's that's a why formula education that works. Correctly. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. So it frustrates that's at least me to my bones. That's why at least three reasons why people don't know what's what and they feel the way they do. At least three. There's probably more. <clears throat> but that's what comes yeah, to mind. It I drives think that's me. 
it drives me crazy because it's been done, like you said, it's been done before. And it starts in the schools. It starts with indoctrinating the children. And it's, everyone always goes back to Hitler. But guys, this is what Hitler did. This is exactly what Hitler exactly. did. Watch the sound of music. Even in the that's sound of music. The, yeah, yeah, that's what they all did because it works. It's, yeah, it's harder to trick did. a bunch of adults. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Goodness gracious. So I feel like I know some of your answer here but how how do we get out of this mess what's what are some things to get us back on dialogue educating informing and always never being silenced never wanting the truth not to be told and always speaking up for our country our beliefs our our liberties our freedoms and what our history was and getting the word out and speaking the truth about it which is why i feel it's so imperative to have not just my book, but other books that write similar things. Anybody who is going to write and continually make it a priority and an imperative necessity to keep speaking on these topics and getting the word out and teaching and instructing and dialogue and conversation and knowledge and learning. You know, dialogue is the whole reason that I, I do this show uh, because yeah, early in the show, I had to change bylines a couple of times because the first one, the first one was coming out of the conservative closet, which Google definitely did, doesn't like, uh, but I <laughs> changed it to navigating conservatism. It's the new uh, C word, I guess, but just oh, having yeah, yeah, it is. It, it really is. But just having conversations because of course, people believe things that aren't true because no one is challenging them. You know, everyone's exactly. head down, because you know, eyes straight. Not only that, they're afraid because as soon as you do, you're going to be called racist or bigoted or politically incorrect or whatever ridiculous yeah. label that has nothing to do with the fact that we should have the sheer freedom just to express our voice as much as theirs. And that's the thing. We can never allow or afford ourselves to be silenced. I even have a chapter in the book called Political Laryngitis, Imposed or Chosen. We have a voice. Well, it, it's chosen until it's imposed. And we need to say right. something or it'll be imposed. Exactly. That's my point. And so we get to have a voice and it's up to us to not let it be silenced because as soon as we do that, it'll be forever silenced and we won't get it back unless we keep speaking up, teaching educating and having dialogue like we're doing right now and writing on it or whatever other means, you know? Yeah. So true. Absolutely. <clears throat> so, um, I looked at some of your other books and your other books seem different. Um, like topically. They so are. Is, is this your, is this your foray into, you know, I've, I've had it up to here. I, I got to do something. You know, what's what's kind of next for Michaela Part of Cox? That, um, I have lots of projects going on. My, I've, like I said, I've always had a passion for politics for America. And that's actually what my master's is in. It's um, an American government. No, wait. Political science and American government and have a grad certificate in ancient classical history. So that's what my actual wheelhouse academically is. Um, <clears throat> but I have other things I'm passionate about, like my faith, my religion, 
um, the journey I've had um, in life and as a mother. And so I wanted to write on those topics as well. As far as what's next, um, my year is very much about writing sequels for the series I have established, except for one, because I have to start one last new series this year, unless my brain gives me more work, which it probably will. But as it stands now, I have one more series to get started this year, and then it's just a matter of going back and writing book two in like the religious series, which is what I'm doing now. And then hopefully um, in August, I'll have book two in the series I did for my children before the clock strikes midnight. And then in the fall, book two and three of my motherhood series. And I'll just keep keep knocking books out in those specific series. You just, um, you don't have enough to do, huh? <laughs> oh, I have. Yeah, but I, this is what I'm supposed to do. I'm a, I'm a writer. I, it's who I am. It's what I do. It just spews out whether I would want it to or not. I, if I'm not writing, I'm thinking about it. I was writing when I was a kid. I mean, it's just, I have my words. I have my voice, you know? So. Yeah. So this is, this is audio only. So audience, I know that you can't see Michaela, um, but Michaela looks very happy and pleased as she's describing the thing that she does. That's her passion. And that's on purpose, guys. Um, we, we just moved here. We live in Northern Virginia. Um, I'm kind of, I, <clears throat> I'm from New York technically, but I moved as a small child to Virginia uh, in elementary school. Um, so I love Virginia, went to college here, met my wife here, and then we left for Army and came back as soon as we got out. Uh, but our new church, we go to uh, Percival Baptist Church, shout out for Percival. Um, and, you know, we started going to the church. We got into their, their like, learn about the church class. I think it's called Growth Track. So Pastor Corey, if you're listening, I paid attention in class. Um, but one of the pillars of this church is, you know, they, they do want you to know God and, and deepen that relationship, yes. but they want you to discover your purpose because surprise right. people, we were designed, created just like an artwork of a specific being. So Michaela's not strung out because she's discovered her purpose and she's having a good time. She's got kids, she's got things to do, but just so trust me, you can hear it in her voice, but she's smiling and happy. Uh, and that's awesome. I, I, I need to get one book out the door. <laughs> it's easy to do. I love doing it. And I'm just an animated person. I did speech and drama uh, in high school, so I'm very theatrical. Like if I know your audience can't see me, but I'm using my hands and I'm just you know, very expressive. So yeah, whatever. Yeah. So she's got a number of other interviews. Just type her into YouTube, Michaela S. Cox. Um, speaking of, need to say the name of that book one more time. So her latest book is available for purchase now. Uh, probably the easiest way to get it is to go to Amazon until they find out she's too much of a free thinker and take it down. That book is We the People Are. Defining and exploring who we the people are, are as a people, a society, and a nation. Uh, that book is just a couple of weeks from being released. So get it now, read it. Um, talk about it, maybe tweet about it, get some other people to read it. And if you want to check out her website, again, that website is myheartfeltmeditations.com. So interesting. I see all these. I'm always like ADDing, like looking at the books on people's bookshelves. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I have lots of books. Those are, you. are you looking at the ones behind me? Yeah. I, yeah. I actually have, um, I don't know if you, I'm assuming you have access to Barnes and Noble. 
a lot of these books came from there. It's like that classic uh, collection they do. And one of the ones they did is actually a lot of our America's um, documents, like the Declaration of Independence and the Federalist Papers and all that jazz. So it's up there on my shelf, actually. <clears throat> Very cool. Yeah, I have their um, uh, Barnes & Noble's classic collections. Um, I think my mom got for me for a birthday. Um, but Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's... Uh, yeah. What do you call it? He's a detective. That Sherlock guy. Holmes. I have Just, that. I have one of yes, those on my thank you. Too. So forgot Sherlock Holmes. Yep. Uh, yeah, good stuff. So the last question is actually about a book, um, but we're not quite there yet. Almost. This is usually my first question, but we were having too much fun. Um, <laughs> you know, even though Google doesn't like it, I still say it. You know, I think conservatives, by and large, in this country are in the closet. I think it's the new closet issue. Um, the things that you used to be in the closet about are celebrated now. If you came out as any of those come out issues as gay or lesbian or trans or, yep, I agree. you know, thing X, Y, or Z, it's, it's celebrated, it's embraced. And that's neither here nor there, not here to dispute uh, the appropriateness of that. But I just, I feel that conservatives are in the closet uh, and I'm interested what your thoughts are. Do you agree? Why or why not? You know, what, what can we do about that? I do think there is a movement like you have, um, and I hate that we lost uh, Rush Limbaugh in the last several weeks. The people like Rush Limbaugh and Sean Hannity and Mark Levin and Michael Savage. and The media was despicable. Uh, oh, my gosh. Like, the, the internet, like, and no, there's no decency. Word for it. We get called. We get if you're conservative, you get accused of being deplorable. But they're the ones that are acting deplorable. But it, it was despicable. It was absolutely despicable, and they're showing their true colors over and over and over and over again. But there, I think it is out there as far as like people who are established, like the Laura Ingrams, and um, you have. I think my mom told me Trey Gowdy has a show on Fox now, and. Um, Tucker Carlson and people like that. And so there's voices out there, but as far as like the individual Americans, members of we, the people, I absolutely believe that's become the case specifically more, I think more predominantly when we started going and getting ready in our country for the 2016 election, when Donald Trump announced in 2015 and that movement started, it was like you were shunned and for having being for Trump, and then if you did speak that you were for him, you were shunned, and then you had the, you got called certain names. We were the deplorables, we were the teabaggers, if you're a member of the Tea Party. Um, and it was like, so because of that, and people were afraid, just like I think that's part of the reason why some of the, even though in numbers it may be the majority of voice of we the people, have become the minority because they have been outshouted and overshadowed by the liberal voice and forced to go in a corner because they're too afraid of being accused of being Trumpers or whoever's going to run in 2024 or being a teabagger or being a deplorable or they're racist or they're this or they're that and they don't want that and so they're too afraid to speak in exercise their voice so they would rather have laryngitis out of fear 
And so, yes, I do think it's becoming more of a common occurrence for that reasoning. So annoying. I I agree. And I always ask people, all right, smart guys, I'm, I'm talking to you conservatives. If we stay silent, like things are pretty bad. If we stay silent, are they going to get better or worse? It seems pretty exactly. obvious that things are going to get much yeah. worse if we just kind of sit on our hands. And it's just be encouraged. Be who you are. We're here. We're out of the conservative closet. Michaela and Joe, we, we haven't Definitely. been canceled. We're, we're fine. I was we're never fine. in I'm... the closet because <laughs> I don't care what they think. <laughs> And I'm not going to buy into this whole political correctness crap, if you can tell already. (laughs) The whole point of America is we're supposed to be able to have a dialogue and a a conversation and debate whether we agree or disagree and be able to discuss and have freedom Mm -hmm. of expression. And that's what our forefathers did when they created this country. They didn't all agree, but they had to hash it out and discuss and debate and converse. That's how they came up with the common ground and compromise and the arrangement of the Constitution. They didn't do that by beating each other over the head because of one opinion. Whatever. Well, I I actually, I'm going to be releasing a YouTube video that I need. I'm almost done editing it, uh, but it'll come out tonight. And I talk about exactly that. Who are these people? They can't be in relationships because that perfect synchronicity that we agree on a hundred out of a hundred issues that doesn't exist no. you know like my wife and i we were in our 10th year of marriage Amazing. and we agree on so much you know it's that it's that um oh who said it it wasn't reagan um oh who's uh they said someone who agrees with you 80 percent of the time is called a friend and an ally, not a 20% traitor. Um, I, I, have good. I don't Reagan's know, but that's head. a good one. I like it. I mean, even husband's wife, I mean, my husband and I, um, we pretty much agreed on everything, but even we would have some things we didn't completely agree on, but that didn't mean we couldn't get along under the same roof. So. I'm going to type it up. Yeah, so ridiculous. Oh, it... It um, auto-filled the rest of it, so it'll tell me <laughs> who said this. It was Ronald Reagan. Ah, there you the person go. who agrees with you 80% of the time is a friend. Yeah, not yep. not a, a traitor. It's just, come on, 8 out of 10 issues? And that's kind of what's been going on with Christy Noem. Um, I think most conservatives are like, hey, we agree on 7 out of 10, 8 out of 10, 9 out of 10 issues. Yeah. And she didn't vote the right way on this uh, transgender athlete thing, which is interesting because she she didn't ax it. She sent it back and said, make these changes and then send it back my way and I'll sign it. But I digress. Yeah. The, the Internet's already exploded over that. Oh, I'm sure. No doubt. Goodness gracious. So the thing that I think is the scariest and someone else said this, there was there's a quote. Uh, that a government that's big enough to give you everything you want is also big enough to take it all away. Oh, hell yeah, it is. They'll take a yeah, I don't think leftists... They'll take a mile. 
Yeah, but in this instance, we want to give them the mile. We want to say, hey, we want you guys to be in control of everything. Education, Mm -hmm. transportation. We want you guys to make decisions for us. Tell us how many people we can have over for Thanksgiving. (laughs) If if we give the government that authority, they have that authority. It's like volunteering for slavery or something like that. The government's not going to give it back. So you've set the legal precedent and you've opened the door. And good luck ever getting it back because you won't. You, you, you've done yourself in, and it's just insane. Yep. I mean. That's right. You you know, I was one of the people um, who thought that with the lockdown thing. You know how many days I've quarantined? Zero. Right. And uh, in the very beginning, I did wear a mask when I was in close proximity to other people. But now I don't wear a mask. I went to, a, I walked into a restaurant tonight. And um, if I if I see someone who's like sickly old um, or is giving me actual human signals that they have a concern, a health concern, and I'll put on a mask right. to make them feel better or whatever. Uh, but otherwise, I just live my life normal because I knew so many people were saying this. I think Michael Knowles was beating this drum in the very beginning that shutting down the economy, telling people that they can't go here or there, that they can't see their families and stuff is a terrible idea. Oh, yeah. Terrible. The government is never, once that bell's been rung, it can't be unrung. The government is never going to cede that power, give it back to the people. A lot of people were saying it was political, and I agree it was, because guess what? (laughs) Because they had this pandemic, the liberals took advantage of it and said, well, we can't go vote in person, so let's change our voting system that way to their advantage that they could play with it and manipulate it. And guess what we had? We had the crap show of the 2020 election. And I don't care what the other side says. A hundred. Freaking stolen. Because there was evidence after evidence after evidence. I 100% agree. And we would have never allowed that crap to happen had it not been for a damn pandemic because we've never voted this way in this country. And furthermore, in my opinion, unless my information is wrong, and if it is, y'all can correct me, the judicial system let us down. Evidence and evidence and evidence were presented to judges, and they decided we're not going to have a part of this, and we're not going to touch this with a 10-foot pole. So they could have done something, and what did they do? They laid down, and they let it go through. I'll tell you this. They they let us down before it even got to evidence. They that allowed the to Larry, Larry. Exactly. Yeah. It means an interest. People don't understand because Americans, I'm sorry, no one loves this country more than Michaela and I. Okay. Military spouses serve just as much as service members. So we're we're two patriotic service members here yeah. bringing this message to you. Americans have become stupid. The Constitution clearly spells out the delegation of authority between the three branches, executive, legislative, and judiciary, Mm -hmm. and their checks and balances. And the check of the judiciary, the check that not just the Supreme Court, but any judge, a judge is a part of the judiciary branch from your county clerk, judge, family court, whatever, to circuit, state, federal, appellate, whatever, they're judges. A check that they have is when the legislature, doesn't matter who, school board, um, the the board of supervisors, city council, whatever you have, all the way up to the federal Congress, if they pass laws, rules, regulations that are against the law, the United States Code, the state constitution, 
where they preside or the federal United States Constitution, they have the power to do what's called judicial review. Exactly. It's in the Constitution. Yep. And they say this is not allowed. I don't care that you guys voted for it. I don't care that a governor or the president signed it. It's getting yep. swatted down. The judiciary reviewed it, and we found this law, this rule, this idea to be invalid. And no one wanted to jump on that grenade. And just like you said, then they didn't hear the evidence. Yep. And I run into these Democrats that are like, the courts heard the evidence. And I'm like, no, the, they brought the evidence to the court. They courts. said, we're the not going to hear it. They didn't no even hear hearing. it. They didn't let it in their door to their bench. And not only that, when the when the people finally got fed up with the pile of crap that was piling up, you had people who were willing to sue the state. And the judges said no to that. Ugh so aggravating here's another thing here's another thing everyone is familiar with taxes because the freaking irs we hate the irs but we have to keep our tax records because at any time the irs can say hey we need to see yep. these filings right because a tax record is an ex in ex uh inspectable item yes. it's an auditable item guess what guys a ballot a ballot for electing the president of the United States, the most powerful nation in the world. A ballot is an inspectable item. That's it's right. auditable. Cannot be destroyed. Yep. It actually needs to be archived. And it's your property. My ballot that says yep. Joseph C. Mobley on it, it doesn't belong to the government. It's mine. And it's a part of the historical record. So the government is telling us now, uh, you can't see the ballots. That's illegal. And it's a load of crap. And they're, they're telling... Yeah, and they're telling the auditors you can't see the, the ballots. That's reason, like if the IRS asked me for tax records and I say you can't see the, my tax the records. The only reason someone would not want something to be seen is they have something to hide. Otherwise, why would you give a flying flip if someone saw it? So what you hiding? And which is why they had didn't let people in the, the um, voting polling places. That's why they changed the laws. That's mm -hmm. because they knew the only way they were going to win the damn thing away from Trump for a couple of reasons, whether you like him or not, he was a sitting incumbent. Historically speaking, in our country, it is possible, but it is, it's probable and it has been done, but more times than not, it's not Very a sitting incumbent. Unlikely. Number two, he was too popular. Mm -hmm. Number three, he is the president who has done more of what he promised than more other modern presidents we've seen in our history. There was too many people behind him and they knew the only reason they could would beat him if they cheated him and he got cheated. I'm sorry. You can't convince me otherwise. Yeah, people don't understand all of this stuff. There's so much that goes into how the left paved the way for the bullcrap of 2020. Yep. Um, like conspiracy is a bad word now. Here's here's a fact, people. Conspiring is the most popular crime in the world. All crimes except for crimes of passion, you know, uh, you know, Johnny comes home and his wife is in bed with a neighbor and he kills him. That's that's a crime of passion. Right. He didn't plan that. All other crimes are planned. You know what that planning's called? Conspiring. Exactly. If Michaela and I decided to rob a bank and we said, hey, which bank do we want to rob? What day? How are we going to get there? That's called conspiracy. Yep. So if planning, the feds bust in and it. break it up before we do it, the charge is conspiring to commit Law, murder, yep. robbery, fraud, whatever. And here's another thing. Ever heard of classified operations? You know, all those government secrets. People say, oh, the government can't have these programs that are secret and blah, 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 because people would know about it. 
what the heck do we think the intelligence apparatus does? Exactly. You know, I always call people back to the Manhattan Project. The Manhattan Project. We're talking 1930s, 40s. That's right. 200,000 people worked on the project. Yep. In that time period's money, they spent $2 billion. $2 billion in the 40s. Who the heck knows what that's worth today? You know how many leaks there were? Zero. They found out about the Manhattan Project after the bombs dropped. Yep. So you're telling me that 200,000 people, almost a quarter of a million people can spend $2 billion working on classified projects on one classified project without a single spill. I'm here to tell you the government can do some stuff in secret. And I'm here to tell you the left can. Yeah. And it's like, how dumb do you have to be? It's interesting to me that most of what we've seen happen, like the impeachment proceedings, when Obamacare came out, more times than not, not every time because I'm not, I'm not fact checking, I'm not checking a record, but from my, my knowledge and what I remember, guess when they passed at night when they knew the American public would not be paying attention. Because why? They claimed they wanted transparency, but they did not because if they knew we were paying attention, we wouldn't allow for it, we wouldn't stand for it, and the only way they could get away with it if they did it without our knowledge. And that's even more wrong because you cannot govern the representatives are not supposed to govern the ones who elected them and gave them permission to represent we the people without we the people who put you in job and the job to do something. <sighs> yes. Yeah. It's, it's outrageous. It is outrageous. And it's that whole midnight judge type mentality. Uh-huh. Passing all this crap under cover of darkness. And then we got the Washington Post saying, democracy dies in darkness. No, your brains died in darkness. Right, and it's actually like, the light propaganda. that it can live because you're showing light on something and you're able to gain knowledge and information that allows you to have power and be empowered. So, yeah. Yeah. It's Outrageous. Yep, very much so. And that's why we need people to stand I, up for it and to stand up to it so that we don't lose the very thing that it is ours to protect. But if we don't know what it is to protect, then we won't protect it because we didn't know what we had. Mm-hmm. So we the people you need know. to do stuff. I just, I can't understand any of the arguments um, that are against election integrity laws. Like they're saying they're racist, or they're saying, "I I will I will we're not cede racist. to someone. I will cede any type of regulation for firearms if it matches voting regulations. So I'll say whatever the rules are for voting, whatever crazy rules they want to put on voting, I would allow for that to be placed over firearms because last time I checked, you know, to buy that rifle back there. I had to get a background check. Mm-hmm. I had to submit two forms of ID. I had to not only prove that I was who I was, but prove that I was legal resident of the state or the municipality where I was going to buy the firearm. Right. Some places you have to submit fingerprints. Yep. I mean, come on. But to vote, to buy alcohol, to buy cigarettes, to rent a car, to buy a car, to rent a home or buy a home. 
You need identification. You need a credit check. You need a social security number provided, and then they need to verify the social security number. It's harder to do virtually anything, uh, adult transactions, you know, leasing, contracts, uh, crediting, banking, any of that stuff is harder to do than to vote for president of the United States. Agreed. That doesn't make any sense. It doesn't, but the reason why they do it is, is one, it doesn't suit their purpose of agenda to do it that way. And number two, they know they can screw with the system and get what they want out of it and make it more crooked. The party line is it's racist. How what black people like I have a car like black people have cars and homes and credit cards and I hope and computers. We know how to use the Internet. I hope this is not going to be misconstrued by you or by your audience because I mean nothing by it. I was at, it's it's just friends here. Okay. No, no I misconstruing. Was at a predominantly African-American university in Louisiana called Grambling State. And I was taking, and this was during 2006, and I was trying to get my MSW. And we had a, I think, no, two of my professors were white. The other ones were black. And <clears throat> I am not taking away from the journey that African Americans have had in this country. I'm not taking away that things needed to be corrected in our history. That's all fine, wine, and good. But we're not talking about the 20s and the 30s and the 40s and the 50s and the days of Martin Luther King Jr. We're talking about 2006, okay? And I'm not saying there still aren't things out there. But this professor was trying to convince us and his fellow African-American students that they have it as hard as they did in 2006. I'm going, no, you don't, brother, because let me tell you something. If you had it as hard as you had it in the 30s and 40s, first of all, you wouldn't be able to be standing behind me just fill me with your bullshit Second of all, you wouldn't have authors to quote your garbage. And third of all, you wouldn't be able to be applauding an African-American running for the president if it was as hard as it was in the 50s. So don't sit here and tell me it's as bad as it was in the bad old days. It, it's a self-defeating argument. You were 100% right. I tell people, and Frank, if I'm being totally frank, when I'm out in public uh, and I wear my MAGA hat, because one, I wear the hat because it starts conversations. Right. People, how could you? Don't you know? And I'm like, oh, this is a great conversation <laughs> start. How, how could I what? Be a free thinking person? And, yeah. And not believe everything that you say that I have to believe because I'm black? Yeah. The people who scream the angriest, they're usually like teenage white girls. <laughs> and I'm just like, this, yep. it's like a 16, 17 yep. year old white girl. Who's like, she's always getting ready to go to state. Like, it doesn't even matter what state university is. She's like, I'm, I'm going to Cal State <laughs> and to fight for your rights. And I'm like, you will never make as much money as I have. You'll probably never be as well-educated as I am. Like, and I've done more fighting like, for your who, rights because I actually served our country. So have a nice day. <laughs> yeah, it's like, what are these people thinking? And it's at work in inclusion and diversity meetings. The other thing about it is they play the race card because the liberals know they don't have any other damn cards to play because they don't know how to make a, a, a functional, illiterate argument. That's the only thing they can do because they ain't got nothing else. Mm-hmm. So they have to oh, play yeah. that card. People are deathly afraid. Oh, I don't want to be called racist. Like, get, get out of here. It, it's... Mm-hmm. I'm just over it. Okay. It's I'm going to so ask you a question because I have said this for years and I want to be corrected if I'm wrong. 
The other thing that drives me crazy about that side is, <laughs> and I find it fascinating. So if I'm wrong, I would love to be corrected. So I'll quit saying it because I don't want to be inaccurate. The only reason what they want to gripe about that happened to him. Oh, I don't know. Okay. 1864. Like going on probably 170 years, whatever. I can't do math. The only reason they were in that position and came to this country, because if I'm not mistaken, your own brother sold you to the white man in the first place. So why are you mad is, at me? I wasn't even alive that when that happened. Not, um, that was not a misunderstanding. That's 100% accurate. Well, and get mad at your own way, kind before you get pissed off at me. But the thing is, only in this country, only in this country have we equated um slavery with racism because the truth is there are agrarian societies where the people just stay there and they plant and harvest mm -hmm. and and maybe trap and whatnot every other society in the history of the world if it wasn't an agrarian society it was a, a society that used slaves including societies today there's still slaves today exactly we have human um, and the reason we have women that have an inequality who's been the most discriminated probably portion of human nature from since the beginning of time and then the I, the Jews were have been enslaved so many times throughout their history. Roman Empire had slaves. The, what it goes do they on call and on and on. The forever. Yeah. Yeah. Jews are said to be the forever dying people because uh, they've they've been persecuted since. No one <laughs> since people they've... group, whether black, white, purple, green, I don't give a crap. Asian, Caucasian, whatever. Okay. Well, it might be debate whether the Caucasians, but. No, them too. All right. Whatever your ethnicity, whatever your background, there has never been one a people group that has never been throughout some type of trial or suffering or some form of slavery. And this is something that dry and no one people exactly. have the a monopoly on disenfranchisement and suffering. Like, Woe is me. We're the only ones. No, you're not. Suffering is. If anything, black people had it. Now, this is where people are going to be like, what? I'm going to say black people had it the easiest and because it was one of the shortest periods exactly. of slavery in the history of the world. Yes. And it's never been about race. It's always been about power and dominance and building a civilization. Exactly. And Economic the reason trading. they play the race card, because yep. it used to be slaves in Africa, it would be black slave owners, black slave slaves. In Asia, yeah. it would be one asian people group conquering another here and yep. it's always been that way either you kill them off or you kill most and enslave the rest and build up your society that's how all societies have been there isn't a single place on yep. earth that wasn't built on the backs of slaves exactly. that's what that's what modern americans say and not only but that here's the thing when the irish in the 1800s came here guess who did a lot of that crap it was the irish that did it and it was the Chinese who, or whoever else that did the Continental Railroad. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and the other thing and that irritates me about this whole idea that one person has a monopoly or franchise market or whatever you want to call it on this thing. Something no one wants to talk about in this country. No one. Okay. I'm legally blind, so I can speak to this. Out of all of the movements for women's rights, civil rights, gay rights, whatever rights, which I'm not saying they didn't need to be. That is not the point of this conversation. Guess which population was the last one to get any legislation on the books? 
disable rights. It was not until 1990 that we had a decent piece of legislation called the American Disability Act, and that was 31 years ago, long after mm-hmm. some of these other right mo- movements of rights, okay? And that is only one major piece of legislation we have on the books, and it's becoming more crappy, and there's holes in it. And no one wants to talk about this in the country. And I would have a harder time as a single white disabled woman than any other demographic of getting a job in this country. Mm-hmm. And not only that. Oh, yeah, 100%. Not only that, the first time and the only time that the disabled population had a chance of actually be giving a voice on a national stage was in the election of 2008. Like her, don't like her, I don't care. But she was the only one who, when she was running for VP under John McCain, was Sarah Palin, who brought to front and center national stage in the American dialogue in this country the rights of this able and actually doing something about it. It's not been talked about since. Yeah, no, 100%. Um, There's so many inconvenient truths to all of these leftist narratives. And I've said this before, I'll say it again. Everyone doesn't listen to every episode. Every episode that I have a chance to say this, I'm going to say this. The race narrative with slavery in America is bullcrap. And here's why. It was called the triangle trade, all right? I know Michaela already knows this, but somebody's listening to this. That means that that resources, slaves, as well as gold and other resources would transport all around the world. We're talking from Africa to Europe to the United States and down to South America. That's an important stop, guys, South America, and then back over to Africa and round and round it goes. Here's the problem about the race card. Where they were dealing with commodities, you know, they said that people were property, so they wanted to track their investments. They had ledgers, they kept impeccable records of the slave trade. So, what we know is they were about 12 million slaves traded in the slave trade. 300,000 of those slaves came to the states. Yeah, we weren't the only ones, by the way. Which irritates that's a small percentage. That irritates Brazil had five million. Not only that, so did so. How the after we racist and Brazil is not. Yeah, and what irritates me about that is this also goes to another point I want to mention. I don't like it when the rest of the world who did the exact same damn thing as we do, but because they quit doing it before us, they think they can look down their nose at us for doing the same thing they did. I don't want to hear it. And furthermore, the North is... Oh, they didn't. They they didn't quit before us. The first country in the history of the world to abolish slavery was us. I thought Britain did about a few years before us. I thought they did. Because I know there was... There was a, a person about called Amazing Grace um, who did the movement in Britain. I thought they quit a little bit before us, but maybe they did. John, John Wolfe? Yeah. Or no, not John Wolfe, John Newton. John Wolfe Newton. Um, yeah, I studied music. Uh, my undergrad's in music. Okay. That's the only reason I know that. Yeah. But the North, for all of their griping at the South, they did their own version of it with child labor. Okay? They might as well have been slaves. Oh, yeah. In the Industrial Revolution. And furthermore, for any of your not-so-well-informed African-American potential listeners to this, I'm going, and this is the one thing I did agree with that same professor at grad school that he informed his black students of. Riddle me this. If the Civil War was really about slavery, 
why did Abraham Lincoln not sign that document before the war even started and not bring us through a five, four to five year war over whatever and claim was slavery? Answer me that. It didn't have a dang thing to do with slavery. That was the convenient excuse. It was about states' rights and the North lordering over the South because they Another. pissed off because they couldn't do what the South did in economics. Same same thing to double down on the Lincoln thing. They were states seceding before he even swore into office mm -hmm. from the time that he won the election. Yep. So between November, because it's supposed to be election day, folks, not election week, election month, election season. You're supposed to vote on a day. Yeah. Uh, unless you've got, you know, when I was in the military, I was in an absentee vote. That's a good reason to do it. Yeah. Um, if you have a disability, that's a good reason to do a mail-in ballot. If you can't be I don't bothered that. to go. I know why you're saying it. Because if it's important, this is what I say as a disabled person. I know what you're saying and I agree. To me, well, pe people we that are no like bedridden. We have no problem doing what's important to us. I'm disabled. I guarantee to you, I'm going to find a, ri a ride to go to the polling place to vote in person because I'll be damned if I'm going to let someone screw with my vote, my voices, we the people. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm disabled as well. Find a way to that and place. Yeah, I'm standing in the line with my bad hips and bad back. Yep. Um, I'm talking people that are, there are people that aren't even ambulatory right. well, at the polling place. I'm talking about people that are bedridden. Right. Um, I'm specifically thinking my grandma in the last years of her life, she was um, uh, bedridden for then that I would absolutely agree with people make six it, or seven years or so. Right. I absolutely agree with that. And I think that's a very valid point. But people are real quick to say, oh, I can't because it's too inconvenient for them. That's yeah, a cop -out. Total bull crap. Yeah, exactly. You can get to the liquor here. store. You can get to yeah. get all, you know, whatever stupid little crap, especially, and I realize that I can say this to black people and I do it all the time. When, and that's where I wear my hat to have these conversations. Another riddle me this. You can stand in line for 30 hours to buy a limited release of Jordans, <laughs> but you can't be bought. You can take a whole day off of work to wait for a video game, a phone, <laughs> shoes, but you can't be bothered to take the 45 minutes to an hour it takes to drive, stand in line, fill out the paperwork, and leave to vote in person. Exactly. Bull crap. Exactly. Bull crap. What's important to us. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, but you nailed it. You nailed it on the Lincoln thing. That's just like pick up a book, folks, or or at least watch a reputable series. He could have signed that, you know, Emancipation Proclamation and prevented the whole entire damn war. But it wasn't about slavery; it was about states' rights. <laughs> Sorry. I mean, just it, that's what it boils down to. The the South didn't want to be told what to do. <laughs> they didn't want to have to say yes, master, and to the North. I, I doubled down on the Caleb statement about Lincoln. Oh, no, I'm right there with you. I doubled down on it. Now I'm going to triple down on what Michaela said about the Civil War and Abraham Lincoln. Another reason it wasn't about slavery. Think about this, folks. The first time in history, another first time in history where we let the losers of the war dictate the terms of the North's victory. That's why there are statues of Confederate generals, because they didn't say, the North didn't say, we're going to castigate the South. They didn't say, we're going to imprison the military officers and enlisted uh, men of the South. 
Lincoln said we need to heal. The union has to stand. You know, house divided will fall. You're correct. It wasn't for lack of trying because they crucified the South through Reconstruction for years. I didn't think we'd ever hear yeah. that one. Even though we were actually the ones that were right. Because if you study constitutional law, Lincoln was wrong for what he did. It was unconstitutional what he did. But we were the ones that got crucified for it. So whatever. You know what's so weird? I'm from New York. And I agree because of what the Constitution says. You know, and I hate to be this way because there are... Last time I checked it, it was something 540, maybe as many as 580,000 troops in the Army. Um, the Army, the military is a huge organization. Oh, it is. Law enforcement as well, but also politicians. All of these things are huge organizations. You swear an oath to support, defend, and yep. uphold a document. I'm almost afraid to do this study, but how many of those people have read the freaking document? Because it's impossible it. to support, uphold, and defend something that you've never read. And I yep. used to challenge, I when I was in the Army, I would challenge my Joes all the time. How the F are you supposed yep. to stand up for something if you don't know what it says? I got people telling me that it says that white people are worth more intrinsically than black people. That's not in the Constitution, no, moron. You, Someone told you that, and you just thought it was true. Any more than political parties in the it. Constitution or the whole idea of church and state. You will not find that expression of church and state in the Constitution either, by the way. Most people believe, Drives me swear crazy. up and down that it's in there, but it's not. Go look it up. Go read a book. Go educate. But, it's not in any of the but, historical founding uh, documents, church and state. No. Man, this was this was a good time. We gotta talk more often. I agree. But I mean I get my feathers get all ruffled and I get on my soapbox. I'm like, oh Lord, Michaela, behave, please. Well, yeah, I think we have the same soapbox. Yeah, we do. So I think if you turn your soapbox over it says Joe on the other side. Yeah. Goodness gracious. Guys, these documents have meaning. They're you know, they're they're relevant now just as they were relevant there and it's just you're gonna love book two that i do for 2022 yeah i've already started it awesome. i've decided the first couple of political ones should come out every election cycle so it's going to be the constitution every bit of it piece by piece so well i'm looking forward to I think it i'm gonna call it a i'm gonna have book. to cool yeah, I'm having a blast, but I, if I don't get off, I won't edit this video and I have to um, I totally edit understand. it. I'm, I'm taking a trip. But I've enjoyed it immensely. Yeah. I could do this all day. So if you ever want to stay Me connected and well. do it again, I'm game. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Good time. And maybe one day when the world gets out of this craziness, we can do an in-studio interview fun. and I cannot spend so many hours in the same freaking room. <laughs> Uh, right. But I, I enjoy working from home just because of the littles yeah. and to see the kids. And so, okay, guilty. <laughs> it's been fun. It has been. Uh, so thank but, you very much. Yeah. Let's keep in touch. It's been a pleasure. It has been, definitely. And we'll figure out when we can do it again. And I hope that your audience can glean some knowledge and let it empower them from this. And go figure it out for themselves and use your brains, not be dictated to. Well, I hope so, too, especially that last part. <laughs> Using your brains is always good. 
All right, so Michaela S. Cox, I've got to say it one more time. Uh Uh-oh, did I close it? There we go. Her book is available for purchase now, and that book is We the People Are. Defining and exploring who we the people are as a people, a society, and a nation. You can check it out wherever you get books. You can look at her website, myheartfeltmeditations.com. And I'm going to spend some time there as well because I want to click on that We the People tab and see those resources that you put in there. It's under Uh, resources. Just because I'm a nerd, I think. Oh, resources. Yeah, you go go to resources. There's like six tabs underneath that. Because I have resources on religion, motherhood. Uh, grieving in different areas so awesome well Michaela stay well I definitely look forward to doing this again it's, it's been a hoot maybe I'll have to have have a you know a beer next time oh that's um, good it's, well these air yeah these you would air like to know Monday about Boston there's a the oldest tavern I believe in Boston called the Green Driving Tavern and it's it's they that's where it said a lot of the forefathers were, were there, and that's how they planned the revolution. And I, I came to the conclusion, I told my husband, well, no wonder they oh, had wow. to drink beer to do it. Because they would, if they were sober, they would have been scared to death. They had to be shit-faced to be willing to pull off what they did, because if they were sober, they never would have done it. It was a suicide pact. <laughs> it was a suicide pact. It's not yeah. poetry that they pledged their lives, their fortunes, and sacred yeah. honor. Lives was first, because... It was very possible. Surely the king is going to come over here and just chop off all our heads. Like well, they would have been quartered, yeah. fared, and I think I think had they lost the war, they would have all been fair, uh, quartered and whatever. I forget what the other ones there was too. It was like feathered and tarred and quartered or something. Quartered and drawn. Yeah, yeah, that. And it's interesting because we see it as a foregone conclusion. Of course, they were going to win. No, when they nope. wrote those documents, when they signed the declaration, which was a big fu letter. Oh yeah, sent it definitely. Off to FedEx. When they did that, the foregone conclusion was surely the greatest military power the world had known was going to wipe them off the face of the earth nope. and start over. Like they said in Hamilton, for anyone's watched it. They literally turned the world on its ear and the world was upside down because who would have thought in a million years mm-hmm. this ragtag, whatever you want to call it, would have come out of the quagmire and knocked off a major political, historical world player on its ass. And like you said, F you up yours. We're doing it our damn selves. Have a nice day. Go back home. I mean, and get the F out. Honestly, the United States pulling that off, the, these these colonials pulling that off is about as pro- probable as the Cleveland Browns winning the Super Bowl this year. <laughs> like that like that's that's the type of over under well, we're talking in about. In my so. opinion, that would be the Aints meaning the Saints and I'm going to get ruffle my Louisiana people's feathers. <laughs> that to me is like the Aints doing it. They've done it once and they think they're the greatest thing since God whatever. You've done it once. Yeah. Okay. Giants. Yeah. Giants fan. Yeah. So New York teams are just hit or miss. The Knicks used to be good in the 90s. Yep. Uh, but I digress. Yeah. Yeah. Squirrel. <laughs> uh. <laughs> well, all right, Michaela. It's been a pleasure. Yeah. And yeah, next time. Oh, that's what I was saying. We're actually recording this at night, but these air uh, during the early afternoon right. uh, but yeah next time we'll definitely have to have our our virtual happy hour this is just water i promise <laughs> uh, you're a grown man you're just... and then we can really dig in yeah no kidding 
Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Joe Mobley Show. Remember to subscribe and make sure you don't miss out on future content. You can always show your support by leaving a review or making a financial contribution by going to thejoemobleyshow.com and hitting support the show. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. If that was the first prayer you've ever prayed, I hope it won't be the last. Until next time, this is The Joe Mobley Show.